Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Make Yourself a Cup of Joy podcast. It's Antonia here. It's Monday morning, and I'm ready to record episode one. So let's get started. First of all, I invite you to share through a comment or by following the podcast page your personal perspectives on the topics I'm covering today and be very, very honest about them because I think. They're quite sensitive, but also very inspiring and insightful. So first of all, I would like to start with a question to you guys. As Generation Z, so a person in their early 20s, how much do you feel exposed to comparison? How much do you compare your own life choices, experiences with those of other people? I'm sure we've all been there and it has happened so, so many times to compare our own decision-making and lives with those of peers, friends, classmates, also family members, and the list is very, very long. And this is also the result of the social media influence. We know that scrolling on Instagram is not the best way to improve your self-esteem and the understanding that in reality, people are just showing what they want to show. They're simply sharing what they want to share in that moment. And that's not the whole of their lives. But we tend to forget this. And sometimes, specifically when we are vulnerable or when we feel uninspired or limited in our potential, we tend to exaggerate this type of exposure and therefore we fall prey of negative comparison. Personally, I have a strategy and I think that this strategy could be useful for you guys as well. First and foremost, I tend to draw a line between negative and positive comparison. Negative comparison is limiting my potential and is sometimes distracting myself from my objectives and future goals and dreams. Therefore, I view it as something I want to first acknowledge and then learn to avoid. On the other side, positive comparison is uplifting. And I can explain this through an example. I personally admire Michelle Obama, her career, and uh, her life as a strong woman in the political scene. She somehow managed to live the first lady experience while still having a healthy family life and uh, somehow realized that it is possible to be a positive role model and stand at the front line to support values and rights you truly believe in. Therefore, this type of comparison is uplifting, it's healthy, and can be a source of motivation. And this is what I call positive comparison. On the other side, negative comparison as a limit to our potential, 
and as a source of downgrading of our capacities as well as understanding of how much we value ourselves is sometimes toxic and negative. And the best way, the best way to overcome this feeling of negative comparison is by simply asking yourself, would I want to change? I would say exchange my life with that of another person. Just look back at your past, at your experiences, at everything that happened to you until now. Would you want to give up your story for that of someone else? Perhaps to experience or have something that that person has and you don't have yet? The answer is simply no, because that's your story, that's your path, that's your own experience, and you should be proud of it no matter what happened, no matter how many times you failed and you felt you were incapable of rising again. So the strategy for me, whenever I feel that I'm comparing myself with other people, and this happened to me, especially career-wise, in a period of really uncertainty and a sense of like, what am I doing with my life? I started to compare myself with other people, especially people working in my same field that I personally knew and that were, of course, really inspiring me. But at the same time, I was comparing the stage I was in with that of other people. And this is very, very wrong because we are in our time. We are living our own journey. Of course, you need to work hard. Of course, you need to sometimes readjust your goals and dreams. But still, you need to be very proud of your journey. And you should never, never want to limit yourself by comparing your journey with that of other people. And this is a big lesson I learned. And whenever I feel prey of this situation, I simply ask myself, I, I simply remind myself a specific moment in time, perhaps in the past, a, a true moment of joy, of appreciation, of, of gratefulness for being part of my own existence. And then I ask myself, would I want, would I ever want to give up this moment to be someone else in, at this time, in this present time? And the answer is no. And not only it's no when I focus on the good things that happen to me, but also when I think about the negative ones, because they are part of my story. And I think my life is simply the story that comes out of an amazing and never-ending list of events that happened since I was born. And the, the things that happened had to go that way, and that's all. I did my best, you did your best, and what happened is not your fault, it was just meant to be. And so, yeah. This is the great strategy 
I always, always apply whenever I start to compare myself to other people. And this mostly happens when things don't go well, <laughs> because when everything goes well or seems like flowing well, of course, we never compare ourselves to others or at least fewer times. And then on similar grounds, something I personally don't experience a lot, but some of my friends did, is imposter syndrome. And this is really like great. It's, I think it's great to see that sometimes when you don't experience something, but then you see that other people are going through it, you simply understand how wrong it is and sometimes how inescapable it is. But you truly, truly want the person to change their mindset because what they believe is not true. So I will try to explain in a clearer manner the whole thing. So one of my friends, I think she's really, really successful. She's really brilliant and she has proofs of that. She, she, she made it through university with amazing grades. Um, she's always there for other people. She's, she's a great person overall, besides being brilliant academically and professionally. However, she's always doubting herself to a degree that personally I cannot understand because it's too much. I mean, she has way too many proofs of her great personality and uh, also her achievements. However, she of course, false prey of the imposter syndrome. To be clearer, the imposter syndrome occurs whenever a person, especially a successful and ambitious one, obtains great achievements and still doubts herself or starts to believe that she has arrived to that point because of lack because of good circumstances and not because of her talents, hard work and wise decision making. This um, kind of imposter syndrome can have, of course, negative uh, impacts on self-esteem overall and then can um, start, I would say, a vicious cycle by which you are never, never happy with what you have. You are never um, satisfied with um, what you have achieved so far and you always want more. And sometimes you also tend to lose a side of what you should be grateful for and you forget to be grateful for what you have achieved so far. So personally, I believe that um, we all somehow experience this imposter syndrome and we always tend to fall prey of this mechanism when we've been working hard for a long time to achieve a certain outcome. And what I truly, truly think 
is key to overcome this feeling, which is damaging yourself and it's useless, really useless, is to start to understand that there is a continuum in time and that you are great along the entire continuum. Therefore, you do not change or gain value or become extremely lucky after a certain node in time. You're always great. You're always the combination of amazing traits, no matter what you have achieved at a certain point. Therefore, what really helps me, and I know it's hard sometimes, it's to remember that I am a whole person no matter what my professional and academic achievements are. I am a combination of habits, dreams, but also personality traits that make me valuable no matter what I achieve, how much I earn, or I don't know where I live. And this is really um, liberating because you know that you are a whole combination of elements, traits that is always there. So no matter what you go through, this backpack, if you want to imagine it metaphorically, is always there. And therefore, you should start to positively evaluate yourself also by asking yourself, am I a generous person? Yes, I mean, I'm open to other people. I support my friends. I'm a good listener. I have passions. I'm creative. I love going to art exhibitions or I can play this instrument very well or I'm learning to play it. And it doesn't matter if well or bad. I mean, it's my passion. I'm not here to perform. I'm here to live as I am with my personality traits, my dreams, and the actions I decide to take according to each single individual situation. And this is what matters most. Therefore, whenever you start to evaluate yourself distinctively from external validation, your professional achievements and your CV, you become, of course, stronger. You understand it also during uncertain times. You're still a valuable person. And also, you rarely fall prey of the imposter syndrome. Because in the end, you understand, okay, I achieved this goal, this outcome. And it's because I am strong. It's because I worked hard. And it's because I'm this person always over time. I never stop being a specific kind of person with certain values and principles guiding my actions. This is who I am. And therefore, what I obtain from life is the outcome of a combination of way too many things to believe that it is just a matter of luck and good circumstances. So as for the third topic I would like to cover today, I would like to be helped by a great Irish poet, David White, and I will read a passage from 
his book, Constellations, the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. This book is really amazing, guys. I suggest you to have a look at it because it is extremely well written and it is a combination of words, everyday words, feelings, experiences that are described in a beautiful manner. So as for disappointment, I will read part of the passage and I will leave you with this without any adding additional comments, because as I said, this passage is already beautifully written. And I'll leave you with this passage so that you can reflect on these words and understand that also disappointment is, if viewed from the right perspective, can become a source of liberation and a new angle from which to view reality. Therefore, disappointment is the new ground from which to restart. It's not a course. It's not a source of infinite suffering. It is a way to come back to the ground, to have a true conversation with yourself and start again. So I'll leave you with the passage. I send you a lot of love and I remind you, of course, to make yourself a cup of joy this week as well. And also, I hope to see you next week. Love you so much, guys. And please make sure to reflect on these words. And I hope they become a source of inspiration. If you recently felt disappointed or limited in your power. Disappointment. Disappointment is inescapable but necessary, a misunderstood mercy, and when approached properly, an agency for transformation, and the hidden underground engine of trust and generosity in a human life. The attempt to create a light devoid of disappointment is the attempt to avoid the vulnerabilities that make the conversations of life real, moving, and lifelike. It is the attempt to avoid our own necessary and merciful heartbreak. To be disappointed is to reassess ourselves and our inner world, and to be called to the larger foundational reality that lies beyond any false self we are wholly projected upon the outer world. What we call disappointment may be just the first stage of our emancipation into the next greater pattern of existence.